Uh, my name is Sachin, and uh, Pastor Kara and I are so excited to start our mornings the way we always do, which is worship. We always worship first, and um, that's just what we do. So uh, wherever you are, I invite you uh, to sing along with us. Sing this out. Oh, victory, you have won. Victorious, you have come. What was stolen?
morning Overlake. Those were words that I know I needed to not just hear but sing out and be reminded of myself that Jesus is the center of it all, of, of not just my life, not just this world, not just the church, but of everything. And I'm excited to, to hear more about that truth from a friend, uh, Pastor Eugene Cho, who will guest be, uh, be a guest uh, speaker with us, not just today, but the next coming weeks too. And, and um, it's going to be a good time to, to gather together, and, and it already has been. So wherever you're at, whether you're in a home, whether you're in a totally different zip code or time zone, we are still sharing the same moment, this same space. We're still sharing in the same spirit, worshiping the same Lord, being, being challenged and encouraged to love the same world that we all call home. And so even though it looks different and feels different, let's not forget we have the same mission. We're called to the same things of loving God, loving people, serving the world. Well, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I'm excited for week number two of this series we're in called We Believe. As we work, work through the Apostles' Creed, not, not just here on a Sunday morning, but across all ages, all ministries, kids, students. It's a whole family uh, a service that we're, we're a series that we're walking through all the way up until Easter. And, um, and what I want to do is briefly mention a couple things that are on your screen. It probably is below you if you're watching on the live stream on our website. Uh, if if you're on Facebook Live, it'll be things that are actually on the right and comments that are coming from the host of that watch party. But it's the links of how to get connected, of how to give, and, and, and most important, really, really, how are we resourcing you with at-home resources? And so the first thing I want to mention is, is those at-home resources. Uh, we have things that are coming out every week uh, of ways that we want to equip you as a family, as an individual, as, as someone who's called to love your neighbors. And so we have 
have uh, some great resources we've created to help you with that. So be, be checking that out. And, and then the connection card. We want to make sure in a season where there's so much disconnection happening and, and distance and space that, that we do remain connected. So fill out the connection card and let us know how to stay in best contact with you and ways we can be praying for you. Even next steps that you're willing to take in your faith journey in this season. Uh, for example, we're, we want to start some new online groups that will begin meeting. So if you're interested in starting one of those, uh, let us know about that as well. And then secondly, uh, the connection card, or not, not, not just the connection card, but, but giving as well, the give button. And, and we're uh, a, a generous family because we worship a generous God. And so if there is a, a way that you're able to contribute, we just ask everyone to contribute what they can, knowing that anyone who has need, feel free to ask. We want to be a church where, where people don't feel a greed and a fear that holds them back from giving. And also, we don't feel uh, uh, judgment or shame that keeps us from asking for help when it's needed. And so go ahead and use that give function online to, to be able to continue supporting the ministry that's happening around Overlake. And, and ministry hasn't stopped. It just looks different. Uh, one, one thing I'm incredibly proud of, and, and just so you know, Overlake, that, that you're helping with is uh, our building is one of the few places that remains open for our unhoused neighbors on the east side to come, to get a morning shower, to, to, to get some food. And, and so you're providing that. So thank you for the ways that you're caring for the needs in our community. Well, what I want to do now is I actually want to take a moment to pray together and uh, lift up the different needs that have come through, not just on connection cards over the past week, but, but also needs that we're aware of in, in our community, in our world. And, and, and beyond that, I also want to then give you time to pray together as a group. But, but first, let's pray together. God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we lift up so many things to you that are, that are maybe even now just flooding our minds and our hearts. And, and, and so we do. We lift up anything that would be causing angst or stress or fear or worry. We, 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 we ask that you come and you, by your Spirit, you bring peace into these situations. You bring freedom from these things. I, I pray for those that are sick, for those that are scared, for those that are uh, encountering and walking through uh, different layers and feelings that come with grief. Would you come and would you bring comfort? Uh, Lord, I, I, I think of those that are feeling overwhelmed, that are just working such long hours, that are feeling overworked and burdened. Would you come and give rest? Would you give renewed strength? I pray for those that are on the front lines, whether it's childcare workers or grocery workers or, or those in our medical facilities, uh, doctors, nurses, others, Lord, that, that, that are on the front lines, that are, that are genuinely putting themselves out in, in a position of being vulnerable to care for others who are even more vulnerable. Would you protect them and keep them safe? Lord, I, I lift up anyone that's in a position needing to make decisions around uh, direction setting or, or scientific discovery or, 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 or communication through media. Would you just give wisdom? Would you give wisdom to those that are making those decisions? And, and then, Lord, I just lift up the church, not, not, not just Overlake. I don't mean just Overlake. Uh, Lord, I lift up the whole church, the whole global church. Would, would we reflect who you are in this world in this moment? A church that is, that is one, united, one, one that is filled with grace, with love, one that is others-oriented, caring for those that, 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 that are outside of even uh, maybe our faith communities, Lord, that, that, that we would genuinely show your love in this world in this time. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
Well, now I want to give you a moment, whether you're by yourself, maybe you're with some others, maybe you're on a Zoom call and you're watching service as a, as a community right now. Uh, take 30 seconds and, and lift up the prayers, lift up the needs that you're aware of, the, the names, the faces, the, the things that are coming to your hearts and your minds in this moment. Go for it. This is Pastor Eugene, and what a privilege to be able to just join you at Overlake Church to worship together and certainly to encourage you as well. When uh, some of your uh, leaders approached me and invited me to maybe help out during the season of transition, uh, for me it was just a no-brainer because I've always seen Overlake as my home church on the east side. And so again, thank you so much for the privilege. For the next uh, two or three Sundays, I get to uh, share in the teaching here at Overlake. And I'm really grateful because I think it also frees up your staff and pastors to be able to do really, really important ministry that goes on not just for about 75 minutes on a Sunday, but really the heart of the ministry that goes on Monday through Saturday as well. But I also want to just acknowledge the fact that for many of you, you might not quite know who I am. And since I'll be joining you for the next several weekends, uh, I thought I would just share with you some uh, pictures to give you an idea who I am, especially those who are children and in the youth group. And so I brought some photos to share with you a little bit. My wife and I, we've been married now for about 23 years. And this here is what I looked like when I first met my wife. There was a movie called Beauty and the Beast. That's our family story. This is what uh, your fathers and husbands might look like after COVID-19. But anyways, I went to my future mother-in-law to Korea when we were getting married, and she was horrified by the way that I looked. My mother-in-law to be said to me, Eugene, if you want to marry my daughter, go ahead and shave and cut your hair now. And I was so offended by her bluntness. So I looked at her straight in the eyes and I said, yes, ma'am. So I did and produced Korean Netflix drama version of Eugene. And here is our classic Korean culture uh, wedding photo as well. Fast forward 23 years. And this here is our family right now. And uh, we're so grateful for God's amazing grace. We have two kids at the University of Washington. Our son, who's now over six feet tall, it's crazy. Uh, he's a junior in high school. My wife and I, we've also been in another Hollywood production. I hope you can check it out. It's called Crazy Reckless Asians. Make sure you watch it out. 
it's on Netflix. Now, all kidding aside, uh, as you know, you've been studying this series called We Believe. And it's a three-week series leading up to Resurrection Easter Sunday. Just in case you may have missed it, I, I want to encourage you Last Sunday, Pat just did a phenomenal job kind of laying out the table about why this matters. And so in the coming weeks, even after Resurrection Sunday with Pat and Neely, I'll be contributing some teaching. I'm really excited to be able to partner with your pastors in the teaching ministry. Now, I want to just, again, remind you or reintroduce for some of you who are joining this series for the first time, why studying the history of the Apostles' Creed matters. Now, Scholars tell us that the Apostles' Creed, it became formalized. The first time it was acknowledged as the Apostles' Creed was around the year 390. It was the second major creed that was introduced to the church. There was the Nicene Creed and then the Apostles' Creed. But scholars also believe that this Apostles' Creed first became introduced to the early church in what is now called the Old Roman Creed, probably in the latter stages of the first or the beginning of the second century. And the Old Roman Creed was based upon Scripture on Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, in this great commission where we're introduced to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why when we study the Apostles' Creed, it's broken up in this Trinitarian teaching of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was important then because there were lots of rumors circulating within the uh, church and even in larger society about what it was that Christians believed. Let me give you an example. In the early church, there were rumors circulating in the larger culture that Christians were actually cannibals, that they ate one another because they had heard rumors that they ate of the body of Jesus Christ and drank of the cup, the blood of Jesus. And so as a result, they began to realize that they needed to have a centralized, basic, foundational crux of what it is that followers of Jesus believed in. Now let me give you another analogy to drive my point here. If you've ever been part of a summer camp, maybe a youth camp, or sometimes even adults play this game, it's a game called the telephone game, where about a group of people line up in a line, 10, 12 people, and the first person whispers into the second person into the ear when no one else is able to hear. They whisper a particular statement And the whole purpose of the game is to try to maintain the integrity of what was spoken. And the climax of the game is for the last person stands up and says, this is what I heard. Now, I've played this game dozens of times. There's never been a moment where even remotely close, the last person is able to speak with integrity the essence of what the first person said. This is why 
the Apostles' Creed, it mattered so much back in the early church, and it still matters to us today. The context has changed. In some ways now, it's because we have so much information, so many talking heads, so many religious leaders, so many internet resources, there's so much among us. It's so important of all people, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all ages, to be able to be rooted in the Apostles' Creed, which has its foundation from the Word of God. Now, it's with that in mind, I now want to invite you wherever you might be. We're going to read together the Apostles' Creed. Don't just read it in your head. I actually want to invite you to read it aloud in one voice. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And now, friends, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. If you're using your phones, your apps, go ahead and open your apps at this time. And I want to draw your attention to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 to 18, to help us illuminate this section about Jesus in the Apostles' Creed. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. Listen for the Word of God. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Hey, join me in a word of prayer. God, thank you again that we can study your word, read your word, proclaim your word, God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. And all God's people say, amen. Friends, in our passage today, it begins with a question that Jesus asks the disciples, and in particular to this disciple named Peter. And the question goes like this. Who do people say I am? 
Now, as Jesus asked this question, then out of the blue, Peter, along with others, they begin to echo what folks around that particular context were saying. Now, there were several rumors that were circulating around that time, and they say, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, let me briefly explain why there were rumors circulating about these things. By this particular point in Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist had been killed. He was beheaded, very sadly. And so there were rumors that somehow John the Baptist had been reincarnated into the person of Jesus. Others saying Elijah, meaning that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah, but Elijah being someone who was preparing the way. Even though these rumors had a level of honor, it was also dismissive because what they were saying is, people are saying that you are not the chosen one. You're not the anointed one. You're not the Messiah. Similarly with Jeremiah, there was this rumor that the spirit of Jeremiah was somehow going to be reincarnated into the person that would come to be the Messiah. That, these things were the popular rumors that were circulating at that time. Now, Jesus then responds, I know what people are saying, but for you. Who do you say that I am? By this point, Jesus had spent sufficient, ample, much time with Peter along with the other disciples. And so he asked the question, but who do you say that I am? And that's really the essence of the question that we want each of you Whatever age you might be, no matter where you might be in your walk with God, that's the question that we want to gently, pastorally place upon you. Who do you believe God is? Who do you believe that Jesus is? Who do you believe the Holy Spirit is? If you're anything like me, I'm sort of a, an aggregation of lots of views. People have spoken into me, have taught me, have mentored me, have encouraged me. I've read lots of different books, and there comes a time I can no longer stand on what others have told me. I need to answer this question, who do I believe Jesus is? Now, in our culture today, there are, I think, three main ways that our larger society view Jesus Christ. There are some who would simply say that Jesus is a fictitious character. Living in the larger Seattle area, I've come across neighbors who become friends who believe that Jesus Christ is human-made, is an, an opiate to the masses, a sign of weakness because we're not able to handle the reality of the world. He is simply a concoction, a fabrication. He's a hoax. Now, I will just say this. I want to be respectful of my friends who are atheists or who believe this, but any legitimate scholar would tell us that there was a real human being named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was alive and who engaged in many different external engagements. So as far as I'm concerned, this is not even a legitimate option. 
it then leads us to the second thing, that Jesus Christ is a good moral teacher. And it's true, he is a good teacher. He teaches things about morality. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount are profound things that should influence not just us as Christians, but influence all of society. But my point is, he's not just a good moral teacher. There are some who believe that Jesus Christ was a revolutionary figure. Use whatever adjective comes to your mind. A radical, a socialist, a black, whatever it might be, we believe that he comes, he's a disruptor of things, that shakes things up, that he flips tables And yes, I actually believe that Christ was a radical, that he was a revolutionary figure, that he comes not just to affirm us, but to also disrupt things. But my point is, Jesus Christ is not just merely a revolutionary figure. He's more. And that's the question that we want to again pose to you, who do you say Jesus is? Now, friends, this is why we need to go back to the Apostles' Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, I want you to realize how dense this particular section, really the entirety of the Apostles' Creed. I'm a little bummed that Pat only took about 13, 14 words last week, and that I have the burden of sharing on tons of stuff here. I want you to know that what's being taught in the Apostles' Creed and in this section, scholars have confirmed that it is rooted in the Word of God. So it's not just people who get in a back room somewhere and say, what should we include in the Apostles' Creed? It's believers, scholars, pastors, theologians over the years who've gathered to say, what is the essence of what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the reason why I want to come back to the screen here, and I want to be able to go through this as robustly as we can in the limited time that we have. Now, I'll just say this. In years past, when I had the privilege of teaching through the Apostles' Creed, I think we spent about 15 weeks on the Apostles' Creed. We took one section at a time, and we wanted people to know where it came from in Scripture so that they realize that when we recite and pray the Apostles' Creed, especially with the capital C Universal Church, that we're really being rooted and reminded of our identities as followers of Jesus. But today, let's quickly go through this. We're not just good moral teachers. We're not just about following revolutionary figures. What is it that we believe in? We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who was sent into this world, who relinquished the glory of heaven to be consumed by flesh and bone, to become one of us. And we're told that Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So as to say that just like God, God was not created by man. 
No one created God. In the beginning, there was God. And in the beginning, Jesus and the Holy Spirit in unison was with God. I know that in today's world, I get a lot of pushback, especially in the Seattle area about this whole idea, born of the Virgin Mary. I get questions like, so as a Christian, do I have to actually believe that Jesus was born of a virgin person? Because scientifically, it doesn't make sense. Now, I know where you're coming from, but I also want you to realize that just as we learned last week through Pastor Pat, God created the entire universe out of nothing. If we believe that God is able to create the universe, the cosmos, the heavens, the earth, the sky, water, and land out of nothing, for me, I have absolutely no qualms, no barriers in believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could also be born of the Virgin Mary. It's significant because this, along with other elements, are prophesied in the Old Testament as well, and it speaks about the authority, the credibility of scriptures. It's not just this. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. And what we mean by this is that Jesus enters into our human story. Now think about this. So much of the stories that we love in today's contemporary world are folks who start off in lowly places and they ascend into high places. MTV Cribs, if that's still around, I'm not sure. But that's an example of folks that once lived like this and they ascended and they get to show off the posh lifestyle that they live in. This is the anti, the antithesis of that story. It's a story of Jesus who was with God in the glory of all things. And he descends to become one of us. Goes through a mockery of a trial under Pontius Pilate. And this Jesus was born to be crucified, to be killed, and to be buried. That's what we believe as Jesus, as followers of Jesus. It goes on to say that Jesus descended to the dead. Next slide. And continues to say, on the third day he rose again. He descended into hell, to below, for us our conviction is that when Jesus died on the cross, it's not just a brutal, horrific, graphic image of an innocent man being killed. It's for us believing that Christ, while on that cross, he dies for the sins of all humanity, men, women, and child, past, present, and future. In other words, that Jesus took on, bore upon himself the sins of humanity. And friends, let me not just be too nebulous here. When I'm speaking about the sins of humanity, I'm also speaking directly about you and me. It's not just corporate, it's also 
personal. That Jesus died for you, me, us, them. Jesus died for all of us. And I'm so grateful that the cross is not the end of the story. The cross is not the culmination. There is a greater story, and the greater story is just as Jesus himself said, on the third day, he rose again, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The good news is that Jesus is alive. Now, I know it's not Easter Sunday. This weekend is coming up, but we don't have to wait till Easter Sunday to rejoice in this good news that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is Lord and Savior. And this is the section that I want to close, at least with this portion, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Right now, Jesus, alive. Right now, Jesus, next to God. Hear these words. Jesus is still in control. In the midst of all the chaos and the havoc and the craziness of our world, in the midst of real fear, real worries, real anxieties, if we're honest, all of us might be feeling at different stages of the day, hear these words, Jesus Christ is still in control. The theological word that we use is that God is sovereign. I'm not suggesting that the COVID-19 is the will of God because I can't speak to these things. I don't believe personally that disease and death is God's will. But what I do believe is that in the midst of brokenness in the world, our God, Jesus, is sovereign and in control. There is never a moment when Jesus says, oh my me, oh my goodness, there's never a moment where Jesus says, I have no idea what's going on. My confidence ultimately comes in the one who made all things possible. So friends, I know that when we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, we just went through a lot in a few minutes and it's possible that adults, youth, children, you might be reading and trying to absorb this and your mind might be somewhat blown. Don't be frustrated. Be fascinated. Be compelled about wanting to learn more, to dig into scriptures for yourself. Now, having said that, I want to share with you an analogy to help illuminate to help shed light on what the story of Jesus Christ is about. Now, the story that I'm about to share with you, it's not my original ideas. I first want to say that. It's a story that I read in a book called What's So Amazing About Grace? And it was written by an author by the name of Philip Yancey. And in this book, he gives us the analogy, the imagery. Here we go of a fish tank. Now, if you look at this fish tank here, 
It's a small little fish bowl. We got a goldfish. We got rocks and sediments. We've got this nice little organic shrubbery that I want you to pretend is real. We've got this castle in the background. And as you know, fish, in order to thrive, they actually need both water, they need sediments, they need vegetation, they need structure to feel safe and secure. Now, in the example that Philip Yancey gives, he has a different fish tank. Let me first read what he says. He says, I learned about the incarnation when I kept a saltwater aquarium. Management of a marine aquarium I discovered is no easy task. I had to run a portable chemical laboratory to monitor the nitrate levels and the ammonial content. I pumped in vitamins and antibiotics and sulfur drugs and enough enzymes to make a rock grow. I filtered the water through glass fibers and charcoal and exposed it to ultraviolet light. You would think in view of all the energy expended on their behalf that my fish would at least be grateful. Not so. Every time my shadow loomed above the tank, they dove for cover into the nearest shell. They showed me one emotion, only fear. So I want to go back to this imagery here. Can you imagine every time I approach this fish tank, I'm just going to give this little goldfish a name. We'll call this goldfish Bubbles. So as I come to Bubbles, as an owner, one who created the environment, my only joy, my only task is I want this goldfish to thrive. I don't want it to just survive. I want it to flourish. And that's the reason why I've created this fish tank and the castle and the shrubbery and the rock sediments. I, want, I need you to use your imagination because right now we don't have a real fish tank. Can you imagine every time I approach it, the fish runs away. The fish hides in the castle. The fish dives, hides under the shrubbery every single time. And here's the thing. The only motivation that I have is I want this fish to know that I, as its creator, I love this fish. I want this fish to prosper. I want this fish to flourish. But every time the exact same thing happens, it's paralyzed by fear and uncertainty and doubt. Now the author says that he has an epiphany and says the only time he realized the only way that he could convince this fish of his true intentions, the only way, listen to this and let this soak in, the only way is for me as the creator that I would have to become fish, enter into this fishbowl, to speak the language of the fish, to become like fish, and to ultimately sacrifice myself so that the fish would know that I, as its God, only desire to be in relationship and for the fish to prosper. 
I don't know about you, but my mind is absolutely blown by that illustration. So what does it mean for us? It means that for us, wherever we might be, wherever we might be in our walk with God, we don't just gather information. We don't just regurgitate songs. We don't just listen to the scripture. There's more. For us, the Apostles' Creed, the essence of our time today through Matthew, is that yes, we believe in Jesus, in the authority and in the integrity of Jesus. But it's not just we believe. It's not just our ability to recite the Apostles' Creed. Our belief changes or transforms us to the point that we become fully devoted worshipers of Jesus. In crisis, out of crisis, high moments, low moments, no matter what you're going through, friends, I want to encourage you and implore you, worship Jesus Christ. This Jesus who enters into our human conditions. But we don't just worship Jesus as in a 75-minute service. Whether you come inside a building or you're glued to a TV consuming a message. What it means to worship Jesus is that we follow Jesus. His words, his actions, his life, his mercy, his justice, his compassion, his humility. We follow Jesus Christ. This past few weeks in the midst of the whole COVID-19 health crisis and pandemic, all of us have been instructed, at least in this region, to stay at home, the shelter in home. And I hope that you're honoring these things. But we're reminded about what's essential and what's non-essential. Essential, pharmacists, grocery stores, medical professionals. Now, I'm not suggesting that we break this protocol. I just want you to know, hear these words, you, as followers of Jesus, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are essential so that we might be light and salt here on this earth. So God, we thank you so much for your gospel, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. God, all of us are adjusting to a new, unprecedented situation in this particular season. But we believe that you're in control, that this too shall pass. But even during this time, would you refine us? Would you define us? No matter where we might be, help us to ponder and rejoice in the question, who do we say that Jesus is? Help us to believe. Help us to worship. Help us to follow Jesus Christ because our devotion and faithfulness to you, we believe as light and salt, is essential to our neighborhood, to our city, our region, and beyond. 
God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Yeah.
My name is Mark Bauman, and I'm one of the elders, and it's just a, a joy and a privilege to be worshiping and spending some time together with you. I want to thank Pastor Eugene for bringing the message today. Thank you so much. I tell you, Jesus is in control. He's uh, And the worship song, Jesus is the Center, those are two phrases they're going to uh, walk away with today. So thank you, Pastor Eugene. We're looking forward to having you uh, over the next couple of Sundays as well. Before uh, I say the blessing, I have a few announcements to make, but I do want to remind you that we're actually going to have an extended time of worship um, after the prayer. Uh, so don't be in any rush to get up from the couch or the dining room table because uh, uh, Pastor Kara and Sachin will be leading us in some more worship. I'd actually like to uh, remind you that this Wednesday at 7 p.m. we'll actually continue with another live stream of worship and prayer for about 30 minutes. So if you weren't able to join us last week, you have another opportunity this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. As Pastor Pat mentioned during his announcements earlier in the service, if you're watching on OCC.org or on Facebook, you'll notice different ways in which um, to uh, look at like our at-home resources. There's different buttons or different sections. So you'll be able to see at-home resources. And actually, I, I noticed this morning that there's some new things that got posted in the last day or two, specifically as it relates to how you can be serving and caring for your neighbors in your parish. So take a look at those sites, and there are all ways you can do it practicing that social distancing. Um, we also um, want to, uh, as elders, just thank you so much uh, for uh, the way you've been stewarding your giving. Uh, as Pastor Pat mentioned, that there are ministries that still continue. In fact, he talked about the safe parking ministries that's here. And uh, I also know that uh, like Kid Town and student ministries, they're still doing things and trying to meet uh, on a weekly basis uh, over Zoom or other technologies. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And you'll notice online there's different ways you can continue to give uh, to bless the ministries here at Overlake. So let me go ahead and uh, close this time uh, with, with a prayer. Uh, dear God, we really do just come before you this morning. We thank you uh, that you are sovereign. We thank you that you are in control. Uh, we just celebrate that. We celebrate that uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, he is our rock. That Jesus um, is at the center and worthy to be worshiped. Father, I, I just pray that as we uh, go out throughout our day and our week, that our lives will be transformed because of Jesus Christ. And that um, just as Paul was uh, writing to, to the believers in Rome, that because of how we live out our faith in Jesus, the world will know 
and your name will be made known because of the love that we have for one another because of our faith in you. So Father, I just pray for the body of Christ, not only that calls Overlake home, but your universal church worldwide, that in this season, especially that uh, you would be leading us into ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that uh, when this pandemic is over, your name will be known more widely than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Now plan on joining us in more worship. situation church
confidence. I'm still in your hands, Lord. Oh, Church, part of what we do when we worship is we declare things that we know to be true that we might not believe in the moment things that we read in scripture, things that we profess in our creed, things that we know that he will do, and it's just hard to see it sometimes, and it's hard to believe it, and so what we do when we worship is we encourage each other that as a church body, we declare things in worship, that we declare things over our situation, that we declare the truth over pandemics, that we declare it to every mountain in our life, that we declare it to every chain in our life, that we declare it to every shadow, that we've seen him move the mountains, that we've seen that all of his promises are true, and we know that it's true, even if we don't believe it. And so church, wherever you are, if you're at home, if you're watching this alone, declare this out loud. Declare this out loud to yourself, to the people around you. If you're face, if you're watching this on Facebook or on our live stream, type this in the chat. I know that's weird, but our worship looks different now. But what we believe doesn't do change, and what we do doesn't change. I'm so sorry. I can't talk and play at the same time, church. I have a very simple brain. Listen, our our worship looks different and it feels different, but what we do and what we say and what we believe does not change. So I'd encourage you. Type things, text your friends, text your family, tell, declare this over the people next to you, declare this out loud. There is power in the name of Jesus and there is power in declaring his promises because his promises are yes and amen. So wherever you are, sing this out. Sing this out over your mountains. I've seen you move, you move the mountains. Come on. Oh, I've seen you move. Yeah. You move the mountains and I your prayer church your promise still stands oh great is your faithfulness your faithfulness oh I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never 
failed your promise your promise still stands oh great is your faithfulness your faithfulness you carry us oh i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me you've never failed me god there is power in the name of jesus jesus we believe that there is power in declaring your promises we believe that there's power in your name, that when we declare it over our situations, that when we declare it over sickness, when we declare it over pandemic, that you move mountains, that there is power in your name, that there's power in saying this out loud. We love your name, Jesus. We love it. We love it so much. Oh, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome come on sing that out again your name is a light forever lifted high oh your name cannot be overcome your name Oh, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. There is life in your name. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Oh, your name cannot be overcome. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence my fear. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. never changing you've never failed us God oh. Oh. sing this out old things old things have passed away but your love has stayed the same your constant grace Remains the cornerstone. You breathe life. The things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. Oh, you cause your sun to shine on darkest night. We pour out our love to you. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. 
separated by disease, that we're separated by distance, that we're not in the same building. Jesus, you are here, and your spirit is moving in this community, and your spirit is moving in this church. So Jesus, thank you for that. I'm thankful for worship. I'm thankful to be a part that we get a church and a community that values worship and responds in worship because we know that when we sing and when we pray and when we declare to the Lord that it is a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you. Jesus, we love you so, 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 so much. And we step into this week with faith and with joy because we know what you do and we know who you are and we know that your promise is yes and amen and we know that you heal and you redeem and you save. And so, Jesus, we believe that you're going to do it again. We believe that you're going to do it again. We believe that you're going to do it again. We love you so, so, so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7.